You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled That Door. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. Have you ever heard someone say one door closes but another door opens? In most cases this is a true saying. You, like me, may have experienced this. It was certainly true in the case of my younger brother. My younger brother was the warranty manager at a particular motor vehicle dealership in Adelaide. One day the general manager came to him and asked him to order three front bumpers for a particular model of car that that dealership was selling. My brother protested, saying that there had been no warranty claims, and what the general manager was proposing was dishonest, claiming three bumpers from the vehicle manufacturer where there were no claims. What the general manager was proposing was to get the bumpers and put them in the spare parts stock without actually buying them. My brother refused to be party to the blatant fraud as proposed by the general manager. As a result, he was given instant dismissal. If it was me, I would probably have taken up the issue with higher authorities. The fraudulent claim with the vehicle manufacturer and the dismissal with the Attorney General's Department. As it was, my brother left quietly with no job to go to. That very same day, he was offered, yes, offered a job at a much higher salary as a salesman with another company supplying automotive products. One door closed, another opened. Another statement goes like this. No one knows what goes on behind closed doors. Frankly, I'm not very interested in what goes on in people's private lives. It's none of my business. Although I am disturbed by the lawlessness that seems to be very prevalent in today's society. I'm also very concerned about the widespread use of illicit drugs in our society. Perhaps drug-taking is a product of hopelessness. About 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the young minister Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, to had this to say, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then he added, 
have nothing to do with such people. If Paul was able to look down into the future and see what society is like in our times, he was pretty right. And here's just one example. Did you know that in 2020, scammers stole $849 million from unsuspecting Australians? Worldwide scam frauds amounts to over $5 trillion. You need to be aware, because these nasty scammers are getting rich through dishonest means. They mostly use phone calls, pretending to be authorities. If you get a call, there will normally be a pause before someone talks. And the speaker normally has a foreign accent. Don't you get caught. Another one is to send a text message saying your delivery is about to be sent and you need to confirm your address, etc. But then comes the catch. You need to pay a small sum of money, like $2, to cover some fees, like customs. Of course, those fees must be paid via the internet. And by so doing, you will have to reveal your bank account details. The scammers then will drain your bank account. It seems too good to be true. Or... If it is something that you had no prior knowledge of, it will most probably be a scam. Dating scams are thriving. COVID scams are thriving. Scams attacking foreigners living in Australia are thriving. Scammers are now able to track business invoices and redirect payments to themselves. It's a hostile world we live in. Anyhow, back to doors. What are doors for? Well, they are to keep undesirable people or conditions out and at the same time to keep in people or things that you value. If there's a knock at your door, it's your choice whether or not to answer or open the door. And I have a little personal story here about doors. I hate Halloween. I reject anything that's to do with satanic practices, witches, wizards, etc. And Halloween's one of those. October is Halloween month. And where I live in the suburbs of Adelaide, I see troops of children dressed in black, patrolling the streets with protective parents keeping watch over their children. Ugh. One year, I decided to go on the offensive. The normal thing that children do when coming to our front door is to call out, Trick or treat! Sometimes, they could be holding a handful of mud, threatening to do something nasty if they're not provided with some chocolates or sweets. So this particular year I went out to my shed and brought into the hallway of our house a machete, a large heavy knife similar to a cane-cutting knife. And then along came another group of children to our door and rang the bell. 
I came to the hallway as inoffensive, just like Dr. Jekyll, and I slightly opened the door with one hand, while picking up the machete with the other. Then I shout, Trick! And with a Mr. Hyde voice, and wave the machete about. You should see those kids scuttle back to the street. But since then I've been proactive and put some paper signs up asking Halloweeners not to call. What blissful peace. Now, you may not like a reception like that when you knock on someone's door, and I don't blame you. And the Bible has some very important messages when it comes to doors. The first message is when we want to come close to God. Matthew chapter 7 is part of what is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a description of the truly righteous life. When Jesus says, Ask and it'll be given to you, in Matthew 7, 7, prayer is in view. Prayer is how we communicate our needs and desires to God. Of course, God being omniscient, that means all-knowing, knows what Christian needs, whether they ask or not. But our prayer is the means God has chosen to bring about those answers. Jesus is not saying that believers will always get what they ask for. Wrong motives, for example, will hinder answers to prayer. However, the more times a Christian spends in communion with God, the more he or she will know what to ask for in accordance with God's will. Prayer in and of itself does not produce sanctification, that is, an increasing holiness in a believer's life, but it does show a dependence on God for needs that can be met no other way. God is always pleased with such displays of faith. It is only faith in what God can do and what Christ has done that brings about true sanctification, not an artificial self-righteousness. Well, anyhow, Jesus went on to say, Seek and you will find. Well, the question is, what should believers be seeking? It's God himself. In Psalm 27, 8, there's this text. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek? And then in Psalm 34.10 is this statement, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And then we have this statement, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. That's in Psalm 105 verse 4. And finally, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. That's from Psalm 119, verse 2. God is not hiding from his children. His heart's desire is for us to persistently 
and passionately look for him all around us. And when we do, he promises he will be found. Seeking is a matter of paying attention with an engaged mind and acute awareness. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, as is recorded in Matthew 6.23, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Seeking God's kingdom means putting God's plans before our own. Seeking God's righteousness means setting up a priority on personal holiness and desiring to be sanctified. And then Jesus said, Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Here the Lord uses a metaphor for the action a desire produces. If a person needs something from someone behind a door, the most natural thing to do is knock and keep knocking until the door is opened and the need is met. In the same way, a believer should pray in faith for God's provision and be persistent in prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Notice the three different senses being considered here. Asking is verbal. Christians are to use their mouths and petition God for their needs and desires. And believers are to seek with their minds. This is more than asking. It is a setting of priorities and a focusing of the heart. To knock involves physical movement, one in which the Christian takes action. Although asking and seeking are of great importance, they would be incomplete without knocking. The commands are followed by promises. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And that's found in Matthew 7 verse 8. God delights in the prayer of faith and he promises to give us what we need we're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards Jesus was a carpenter and he worked with a saw and a hammer and his hands could form a table true enough to stand forever and he might have spun his life out in the coolness of the mornings But he put aside his tools And he walked the burning highways To build a house from folks like you and me And he found them as they wandered Through the wild Judean mountains And he found them as they pulled their nets Upon the Sea of Galilee And for a thousand evenings While the day behind him emptied He walked among the poor And he stopped 
to touch the dying And he built his house from people just like thee It was on a shining Sunday When he rode to old Jerusalem And the palms they cast before him Were the crimes they laid against him It was on a storming Friday When he climbed the streets to Calvary And where he died today Why they're selling beads and postcards And they tell us too That that was long ago But would he stand today Upon the sands of California Or walk the sweating blacktop In New York and Mississippi Where the mighty churches rise Above the screaming cities Would he be a guest on Sunday A vagrant on a Monday With the doors locked tight against his kind You know Come again now, Jesus Be a carpenter among us There are chapels in our discontent, cathedrals in our sorrows, and we dwell in golden mansions with the sand for our foundations, and the raging waters rising, and the thunders all around us. Won't you come and build a house on rock again? Jesus was a carpenter. And he worked with a saw and a hammer And his hands could form a table True enough to stand forever And he might have spun his life out In the coolness of the mornings But he put aside his tools And he walked the burning highways To build a house from folks like you and me Well, that was a very challenging song. If you think very carefully about the words, it means a great deal. You know, have you ever thought how we would get on if God was fickle or moody? We can be thankful that he is consistent, as is mentioned in Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Imagine praying to the Lord and he's feeling irritable and doesn't want anything to do with you. Or perhaps he's feeling cheeky and wants to make fun of your request. Fortunately, our God is not like that and wants the very best for us all the time. We are invited to call on the Lord to ask, seek, knock. But what is the scenario when the Lord wants to come to us, to you? Revelation chapter 3 is about the condition of the church in the last days of earth's history. It's a little bit like what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy. 
These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you don't realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. These are the words of Jesus, the faithful and true witness, who outlines the deplorable condition of the church. Christians who claim to follow Jesus feel generally self-sufficient. In the things of God, many Christians are the opposite, that is, poor, wretched, pitiful, blind and naked. Now I know that there are many genuine godly people who are Christians, but Christianity is losing its fervour. Most Christians are happy to receive God's forgiveness and think that from there on they are saved. But Jesus points out that's not enough. We need to be Christians all through, not just the outside. We need to be honest, true, zealous for the things of God, to be filled with enthusiasm and love for lost humanity. That's real Christianity. The prosperity gospel, as it's known and is being widely preached and taught, is anti-Christian. It's all about selfishness and getting rich. True Christianity is more about giving rather than getting. James one twenty seven gives an identifier. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In Revelation 3, in his message to the church in the last days, Jesus included, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Lord wants fellowship with you, even if at this stage you might not be a Christian. He's there, waiting for you to respond. He does not force himself on you. He knocks and waits for an invitation. To finish today, I wish to share with you some lyrics of a beautiful song about opening the door of your heart to the Lord. And it goes like this. The Saviour is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? 
There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. So what's your answer to him? Time after time he's waited before, and now he's waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. And if you'll take one step toward the Saviour, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. Receive him, and all of your darkness will end. Within your heart he'll abide. Time after time he's waited before, and now he's waiting again, to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. My friends, if you haven't invited Jesus into your heart yet, it's time you did. Do it. Open that door. It'll be the best decision you ever made.